Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so delighted to bring you Laura Vanderkam today. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Christine. Oh my gosh. You know, this is so great. I feel like well, we did meet virtually. No, we met in person like a couple years ago. And then all of our interaction has been very virtual over the last year-ish. And it's been wonderful. <laughs> Every, everyone's interaction, I guess, has, <laughs> has been virtual. But yes, we did, in fact, meet in person yeah. before all this went down. So before we had that, the- that base to go with. Yes. Well, you know, you are really the person I wanted to talk to about today's topic. Um, you know, whether it was through... Asha in my book, Minimalist Parenting, whether it's been through the podcast. Um, we recently did a listener survey. And one of the things we hear about all the time when it comes to scarcity is time. Everybody wants more time or people want to know how to use it better. And um, you are the author of several time management and productivity books, which I will link up. Uh, so really, I couldn't think of a better person to tackle this topic. <laughs> well, I hope I'll live up to that. Well. <laughs> Actually, would you like to, I'd love to like just um, hear a little backstory as to like how you got to become a time management and productivity expert. Can you give us a little backstory? Yes. Well, it turns out that nobody grows up saying, I want to be a time management expert. (laughs) So we can uh, say that that did not happen. Um, I've always been interested in productivity related topics. I like to read books about it. Um, but when I became a parent for the first time about 13 and a half years ago, I realized that how I was um, viewing my time was going to need to, you know, be dialed up a bit, um, that there's more demands on your time, um, then you need to figure out how to spend it well. Um, you know, in the immediate cases, like how do I continue to do things like advance my career, write my books, give my speeches, and also hang out with my kid and get enough sleep and do the other things I want to do, like running and singing and all my various hobbies. Um, And the good news I learned is I really do think there are enough hours in the week to get to all those things, to spend a good amount of time on all those things. And I realized that a lot of the literature surrounding work and life topics was was pretty negative, and I hoped to be something a little bit different from that, because there are many people who are 
doing a bang up job on all sorts of levels on many different departments in life. And so, you know, I want to talk to them. How are they spending their time? Because the really cool thing is that none of them have any more time than the rest of us. Now, obviously, people who are fabulously successful and wonderful may have other things going for them. They may be smarter. They may be richer. They may be better looking than all of us, but they do not have more time. And so Mm. I think that is a fascinating lens through which to study how they are allocating this scarce resource and what the rest of us can learn from it. I always think of Beyonce when I think about it. (laughs) And I think that's a good way because, you know, I, I have seen how many people have done the hot take of like, well, of course, it doesn't really mean that we have the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce because she's got X, Y, or Z, whatever going for her, which may be true. But, you know, nobody can sleep for Beyonce. That's true. Nobody can, you know, I assume she still wants to spend time with her family members. That's not really something you can pass off. I mean, you can have, you know, somebody else can make a kid's lunch for school, but, you know, you still want to be the one providing a lot of that emotional support. Um, sadly, nobody can exercise for you. <laughs> so if you want oh, to. Oh, man, why is that? <laughs> I, you know, of all the things we could outsource. And now obviously, yes, you can hire a trainer who will make it more efficient, but the trainer still can't exercise for you. Like there are certain things you have to devote time to, even if you have all the money in the world, all the resources in the world. And, and so they still have limitations, these people with various other things going on. When it comes to time, we all have limited hours. So it's a question of how we allocate them. And yes, it's probably a little bit easier for, for certain people. But on the other hand, we are all making you know choices within these constraints. Yeah, I love that framing so much. And I think it's worth mentioning that you have a lot of kids. So you are juggling a lot of different schedules, too. Do you mind sharing? Like, a- <laughs> uh, Sure. Yeah, no, I have five children. Um, <laughs> they range in age from 13 to one. Um, oh. Yeah, no, it's a lot of different logistical details. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, you know, it was one thing when like everyone was in school all day, uh-huh. um, but we're in a district that has a hybrid model. And unfortunately, everyone's hybrid is like different. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so, um, and then the other day we had a snow day thrown into it. So it was hybrid with, you know, the wrong start times for everything, too. So uh, confusing. So, <laughs> yes, I, I've given up. <laughs> oh, I tell well, my kids they better show up at their class because I don't remember when it is. <laughs> yeah, the, this is the time to like put, put the responsibility in the hands of the kids, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, let's zoom out. I, I really love, you know, as we you were talking about that lens of like, we're really all, we have, you know, this finite number of hours. <laughs> so let's start big picture. And um, I think it's so interesting. One of the things that you've written about a lot, and I guess you probably learned a lot from all the interviewing you did, but was, you know, what are you, what's a snapshot of your findings for why some people feel relaxed about time while others do not? Is there like a simple way to explain that? I think that time is all about how we perceive it. And there are a couple things you can do to feel more in control of time, to feel more like time is abundant. Um, one that is very, very simple is just to watch your language. Like if you're always running around talking about how crazy busy you are and how mm. you have no time for X, Y, or Z, well, then you start to believe it and you start to see evidence for that mm. wherever you look. And yes, in a busy life, I'm sure you can find plenty of evidence that things are crazy, things are busy, but you can probably also find evidence that things are fine, like uh-huh. that you do have enough time for something that you wish to do. 
So it's a question of which evidence you are looking for and which evidence you choose to highlight. So that's a very simple thing. Um, a second thing that I always encourage people to do is to have some sort of designated weekly planning time. And I know that sounds kind of boring, um, but it's just it doesn't have to involve washi tape and fun pens and, you know, a hundred dollar planner. It can like if you're into that, like uh-huh. that's awesome. I have a notebook from Target, and that is what I use. But if you have some time where you know that you will look at what is on your plate for the upcoming week, um, what commitments have you made, and what would you like to do with your time? What are your top priorities, both professionally and personally? I use the categories of career, relationships, and self. Um, Just a couple of things in Uh each. What would you like to do over the next week? Where can those things go? Um, How can you prepare for any other commitments that you have? Uh, what are all the logistical things that need to happen for any of your fun to happen? Uh-huh. If you do that week after week, you'll get a better sense of all the plates that are spinning and which ones need a little help to keep spinning and which ones are doing fine and in which you can take your eye off for a bit. And that helps you feel more in control as well. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I just want to come back to your first point, which I think is so interesting about the the language and watching your language, because I went through this stretch of time where I really felt like, you know, the sort of default, the cultural default is is to say, oh my gosh, everything is so crazy. It's so busy. It's so terrible. And I had realized that everything was fine. So I decided to start instead of that default response, when somebody would say, how are you? I would say, actually, things are really great. And, (laughs) and it was like the most fascinating social psychology experiment because people's faces would be like, I I, I don't know what to do with (laughs) that. Really? <laughs> so it is interesting, and it just takes a little intention. So I, I really love that you started there. I think that's great. Well, we are going to talk more about planning and tactics, which I'm very excited about, and we'll do that after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com edit for 25% off. People often talk about the impact of things like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrition on skin, but did you know those things impact your hair too? If you've been dealing with hair thinning, you are not alone, and Nutrafol is here to help. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I appreciate that they offer formulas tailored to different life stages, such as postpartum and menopause, as well as different lifestyles, such as plant-based diets. 
In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering Edit Your Life listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code EDIT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and use promo code EDIT. That's Nutrafol.com, using promo code EDIT. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Laura Vandekam, time management expert, productivity, wonderful human. Hi. (laughs) So that's good. I like to be a wonderful human. Yeah, yeah. So before the break, you were talking about planning, washi tape or otherwise, and I will say that I... I do admire the people who have the pretty bullet journals, but my handwriting is so terrible that I have never been able to do that. Um, so you have, you believe that time is best approached from this sort of holistic week perspective rather than a single day. So uh, you've written a whole book on it. So I would love to, for you to share a little bit more about that. I know you talked a little bit about the sort of buckets you talk about, um, you know, before the break. And just sort of any recommendations or pitfall pitfalls for people to watch out for as they plan their week. Yeah, so there are 168 hours in a week, which is not a number I knew until I was basically writing about this concept. And I'm like, huh, 24-7. People say 24-7 all the time, and no one ever multiplies it through. Uh, it turns out there are 168 hours in a week. Now your listeners know. And the reason this is important is because it gives you a very different perspective on time. Um, just a little math for our, our enjoyment here is that there, if you work 40 hours a week, so pretty standard full-time job, sleep eight hours a night, so that is 56 hours per week, there are 72 hours for other things. Wow, that's a lot is, of hours. Well, that's a lot of hours. And, you know, if you're working 50 hours, you got 62 hours for other things. And if you're working 60, you got 52 hours for other things. But, I mean, there's still a lot of time. And so right there, the idea that it might be impossible to have, say, a full-time job and a fulfilling personal life um, seems, you know, maybe like that's not the case, right? Like those Uh 72 hours could probably be used for something. Like if you are telling yourself, like, I can't exercise and have a full-time job, well, it does seem that perhaps in those 72 hours, we might be able to find a little bit of time or even in 52 hours if that happens to be the case. But the more important part for the the 168 hours is, is not just the math. It's about recognizing that things don't have to happen daily and they do not have to happen at the same time every day in order to count in our lives. Mm. And a lot of the harsh trade-offs that people talk themselves into believing are there are because they're trying to fit everything into one 24-hour day. And so you're like, oh, well, today I worked late at work, so I didn't, you know, cook a family dinner or I, you know, had a something happened in my personal life. So it was not a hugely productive day for work or, you know, I have all these things I want to do. I want to study French and read novels and, you know, go to this spin class or whatever it is. Uh And I didn't do all of them today. Uh Well, yes. Okay. You didn't in 24 hours. Um, There are not enough hours in the day to get to everything you want to get to, but none of that stuff needs to happen daily or at the same time every day. Like if you went to you know, two spin classes a week and then virtual or otherwise, I guess, Um, and then did, you know, two walks on the weekend. Like, wait, we're exercising four times a week, right? It didn't happen at the same time every day, but it didn't have to. Um, Or same thing, you know, if you work late, 
two nights a week. Well, there's five other nights <laughs> uh-huh. and you didn't work late on those nights. Um, so why are we, you know, talking ourselves into all sorts of, you know, work life trade-off knots about those two nights when there are five other nights that we could also focus on as well. So I just think that this holistic perspective keeps us from, you know, coming into these conflicts that, that really just aren't conflicts if you take a broader view of time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that too, because I know that when I, if it's like Sunday and I'm looking, I always like to do like the week look ahead that day. And if you are looking at it just across the week instead of on a day, day by day basis, you know, that's when I plug in and think, okay, well, like that day is just meetings all day long. So it's going to be breakfast for dinner. You know, I'm not, (laughs) um, you know, and then you can maybe plan something that you like to cook on another night. I think it just gives you a little more, um, I don't know, as you said, like a more realistic kind of perspective on what what can be done. And you can also then look forward to your cool dinner. Like on Wednesday, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, (laughs) freezer waffles (laughs) for dinner, whatever it is. Maybe your breakfast for dinner is slightly more elaborate. But it's not. But but then you know that like, yes, that's the case tonight. But Thursday evening is going to be awesome. So it it just allows you to manage your energy through the week and not feel defeated about Wednesday because you know some good stuff is coming up. Yeah, ooh, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, I you know, it's so funny. Like I feel like um I I feel like I've already learned a ton <laughs> just talking to you, but I would love to hear some of your favorite time management tactics. I mean, they can be for any time, but I also think especially right now, people are struggling, you know, with those hours and feeling like they have enough hours, um especially if you're juggling remote schooling and you don't feel like you have a lot of time to yourself. So what would be a few sort of top tactics that are pretty simple to implement? Well, one thing that's maybe not entirely simple, but is worth trying if you never have is tracking your time for a week. Mm. Um, just as a general audit of life, um, you want to know where the time is going because people often talk themselves into this idea that they need to spend their time better. Something needs to change. But if you don't know where the time is going now, mm. you know, how do you know if you're changing the right thing? Right. Mm-hmm. Something you thought was a problem maybe isn't. Maybe something you not even thought about is a problem. So we want to we want to make sure we are working from good data. And the best way to get that data is to try tracking your time for a week. So, yes, it is not exactly fun, um, but it is worth doing because you want to make sure that any stories you are telling yourself about your time are true. A, a very popular story is I have no free time whatsoever. OK, so that's <laughs> that is a story. Yep. I'm guessing that it's not true for most people. What they actually mean is that they don't have as much free time as they want, right? And when you track your time, that's what you'll see. You're like, well, I have some, but it's not as much as I want. But when you have that different story, right, I have some, then you can come up with better questions like, well, how could I scale this up? How can I make sure I know when my free time is going to happen? Or how can I have better things to do within this free time Um, rather than operating from, say, a story that you have no free time whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, that's that's a good tactic for anyone to try. <laughs> I know there's some like resistance. I can already feel the resistance. Your no, listeners I, are like, no, no, <laughs> my, don't make our, me do that. Our listeners are into it. But um, I, I actually, but it is useful. I mean, that is something I talk about calendar auditing all the time. You, you have to know like the weeks that are feeling totally terrible versus the ones that feel too empty in order to know what's right for you, you know? So the information is really important. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of other stuff, especially with people who are dealing with remote schooling right now, um, you really need to triage your day's to-do list 
Uh, a, it should be really short. Um, I, I don't know what's with people making these 40 item to do lists. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to do 40 items like you'll do some of them. But like which ones were they the ones that actually had to happen or just the ones that were easiest or were screaming loudest or whatever it was. Um, so much shorter, you know, three to five things that absolutely have to get done today. You can maintain some other list somewhere else of all the things in life you might wish to do at some point. But. Your daily list should be very, very focused, prioritized. You know, if the power was to go out at noon, what what, what would you want to have done? Mm, um, and that's uh-huh. actually possibly a good mindset, too, is to get those things done first. Um, uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of your listeners who are doing um, the remote schooling thing, maybe getting up early. If you have older children, for instance, who, who don't you know, wake up at the crack of dawn, maybe there's some time before they're up that you can work. Um, if there is um, time that you are, for instance, trading off with a partner in terms of who is in charge during any given hour, um, make sure you're doing the work that requires focus during the time that you have the focus while you have the coverage. Uh, clean out your inbox some other point. Like, right, don't uh-huh. don't sit down when you finally have somebody else in charge of the kids and be like, let me clean out my inbox. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't do that. It's just the way of madness. Yeah, this is really interesting because I I actually am one of these people who has a very long daily to-do list, mostly because I need to be very granular, so like to reduce my brain drain. So any project, for example, is broken down into a whole bunch of subtasks. But I do agree that, you know, every day when I sit down, I, I try to identify just like the top few things that absolutely must get done that day. So I don't kind of get overwhelmed by the rest of the list. Yeah, I think the problem is, um, you know, people have more things on the list than they can actually do in a day. It would be one thing if you had 40 extremely short, small steps, right? Yes. You know, if they take four minutes a piece, well, that's 160 minutes. And that can, in fact, fit in a work day. But if you don't know that, right, like if Uh they are untimed things, like who even knows what this means? You know, research new guests. Well, (laughs) what does that even mean? That'll be something that's on a podcaster's to-do list for the day. It's like, okay, well, let, let's let's drill that down a little bit or uh-huh. um, edit entire book. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to be a little bit more focused um, and make sure that whatever we are assigning ourselves for a given day can, in fact, fit within the hours that are available to work on that day. Mm-hmm. And is your simple, um, I use an app because I, as I mentioned earlier, my handwriting is terrible. Is your target notebook, that's also your to-do list manager? Yep, it okay. is. Okay. No, <laughs> I just, really I always, fancy. I just love hearing, you know, how different productive people do it. So. I feel like it probably could be a bullet journal if I were cool like that. I don't know. Um, your handwriting's pretty good. I saw it. I sat next to you in a meeting. It's not really a bullet journal. <laughs> it's um in in the sense that it's, I mean, not writer Carol approved or something. It's just <laughs> it's just how I've always done notes and done my to-do lists and priority lists. So it works for me. All right. All right. Any other like key time management tactics? Um, so you want to make sure that you don't distract yourself. Um, I encourage people to um, try if if you are in a time that you can control, right, where you're not going to be distracted, then put in certain breaks at certain times um, and work up until the break. Mm. It is so easy to get distracted by something. And, it, and it's often very well intentioned. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm writing this memo. And I know my colleague sent me a bit of information that I need to incorporate into this memo. 
let me just go look in my inbox to find mm. it. <laughs> and then Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. 20 minutes later, you're still in your inbox. You've lost that focus time you had. So the world is distracting enough. Don't distract yourself. If anything like that occurs to you that you need to find, just write it down on a list to go look for at a scheduled break and just yeah. plot ahead. Like unless it is absolutely critical that you must know that exact thing. I, mostly you can get around it. I, I've spent years, you know, writing for like magazines and newspapers. We would put in TK to come, right? Mm-hmm, it means mm-hmm. it's, and you know, it's like, I'll get this statistic later. I'll put a quote about this later, yes. but yes, I'm going to yes, keep yes. writing the piece. Yeah. Do you, sorry that I keep thinking of uh, different questions, but, and do you block your email time? Do you say, do you like stay off it and then have assigned hours during the day? I try to. Um, it's more that I have the certain tasks that I need to accomplish mm-hmm. and I know roughly when I plan to do those. And then when I'm done with one, then I can, you know, take an email break. Got it. Um, but yeah, I will let it stack up quite a bit and then try to crunch through things that seem urgent, maybe at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's interesting, like the end of the day doesn't seem crazy to me, um, but I've had a number of things happen lately where people have reached out to me like in the morning and I responded in the afternoon. And these are, you know, again, it's like people reaching out to me. Like I didn't know them necessarily. And they're like, well, I had to make other plans because I didn't hear from you. Oh, <laughs> like, well, that's our culture speaking, right? Like our immediate <laughs> immediate gratification culture is ridiculous. So I'm like, well, okay, well, you know, if you're if you're asking me about my, you know, productivity secrets, that's one of them. <laughs> well, I and I will say, like, there is one of the other. It doesn't always work out like this, but one of the benefits of not being in that email all the time is sometimes like a a solution will emerge with you, without you having to do anything. If like, if it's multiple people on a thread, you know, other people will true. solve the problem. So that's a good thing. That's true. Remove yourself from it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we have a couple more topics I want to ask you about, and we'll do that after a quick break. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash edit. That's storyworth.com slash edit to save $10 on your first purchase. As you know, I am all about micro improvements. And if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. 
No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, friends, we are back. Laura, let's talk about early morning productivity. So you had um, mentioned this earlier, but a lot of people, like many people, I've shifted my work hours to accommodate the juggle. This usually involves starting work at 7 a.m. before breakfast. You have a podcast and a book on this very topic of getting things done before breakfast. So why do you think this approach is important? And what would you say to the people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm so not a morning person? So there's nothing inherently good about morning hours. It's just that for most people, this is the most practical time to do things that are important but not urgent, that life has a way of crowding out. Mm. Um, And I had seen this over the years as I've studied people's time logs If you came, you know, if I came across somebody who had a big career and was raising a family and then they also exercised regularly, it almost always happened first thing in the morning. Or if this person happened to be writing a novel, it was it was going to be happening in the morning. Or if they had a particularly profound spiritual life, like they're you know reading spiritual texts or meditating or praying every, you know, it's always going to be in the morning. Right. And Uh there's. It's because this is time you can have often for your own priorities before everybody else wants a piece of you. (laughs) Um, You know, you may decide like, oh, yeah, I'll leave the office at four o'clock and go to the gym and work out then. But, you know, then your biggest client calls at 345 or, you know, a colleague puts something on your desk right at four and you're dealing with it and the window may disappear, Um, whereas there tend to be fewer emergencies first thing in the morning. Mornings tend to be more regimented for most people. They tend to wake up at the same time, do the same thing, then, you know, start their work days or or otherwise start their days. And so if you build something into your morning, it will become a routine just because mornings tend to be more routine, whereas the end of the day tends to be a little bit more all over the map. For people, I, I can see that from time logs, like people who wake up at the same time every day don't always go to bed at the same time every day. I, I don't know why that is, but because um, I think if you have a wake up time, you should also have a bedtime. But uh, people I don't. love bedtime. Well, that that makes so much sense. I don't think I'd ever thought of that, but it it is true. Like the morning, you know, my morning is very regimented. I get up, I have my coffee, get the kids sorted, and then I like do a quick triage on work and then I do yoga and it happens at 730 every morning. Well, there you go. I mean, because it's a time, you know, it can happen. It's a time that is is built into your schedule. Um, and, and I know not everyone is a morning person. There, there's a couple things I would say to that. I mean, one is look at your schedule. If you are doing your best, most creative work at night, awesome. Like, don't change, right? Uh-huh. Like, that. that is absolutely fine. However, many people are not actually spending the hours before they go to bed writing the great American novel, right? Like, they uh-huh. are watching Netflix. Um, <laughs> they are scrolling around online. Uh-huh. Um, and when you, the people who are doing that say, I'm not a morning person, what's often more the case is that they are tired in the morning. Uh-huh. And, and that's a different matter. That's a function of when you went to bed. So 
If you are tired in the morning, it may be that you need to go to bed earlier. And if you do go to bed earlier, then you can get up on time and turn what might be really unproductive hours before you go to bed, right? That, you know, scrolling around online hours because you don't have the energy to do anything else. If you wake up with enough energy because you got enough sleep, well, then you can have those productive hours in the morning. You know, most people are not going to exercise at 10 p.m., but a lot of people will exercise at like 6 Uh a.m. They're not going to write that novel at 10 p.m. They might write it at 6 a.m. So it's it's a matter of turning what could be what is personal time, but is not very usable time at the end of the day into morning time that would be usable. Uh Um, And by shifting your sleep schedule, you might be able to do that. I love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the in-bed reading by 9.30. So <laughs> I'm an old lady like that. Um, well, the last topic I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, we talked right at the front end about people saying they don't have time to take care of themselves. And also, I know you and I are very aligned in really believing in the importance of relationships and making sure you sort of give that enough love. You know, what would you, I know you've given a ton of tips on, um, how to make that happen. But what do you have any other key recommendations, particularly, particularly related to what I'll say very simply as self-care or kind of, you know, nurturing your relationships, especially right now when it's difficult to see people? Well, the best thing you can do is recognize that those are two areas that are important and Mm -hmm. should deserve um, a place on your schedule. So I mentioned the idea of a designated weekly planning time. And I said, well, we have three buckets that Mm -hmm. we're thinking about career, relationships self. And the cool thing about making a three category priority list for the upcoming week is you're not going to then leave one of those categories blank. Like people don't make a three category list and then not put something in a category. Uh Um, And so right there that can nudge you to think about it and say, well, what would be my top relationship priority for the next week? What would be a top personal priority for the next week? And just by identifying what that might be or coming up with something, if, if you don't have anything on your schedule for the next week, then, then your mind is kind of turning that way. And then you can put it on the calendar. And when you put something that you have thought to do on the calendar, it just vastly increases the chances that it actually happens. Um, so I encourage people to do that. Uh, you may need to get creative with the relationship part uh, these days, but, you know, do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess that's that's the simplest thing. I um, wrote in one of my newsletters recently about a, a book I've been reading from um, Shasta Nelson, who's a friendship expert, and you know wrote a book that is uh, humorously called "Friendships Don't Just Happen," um, which <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. That's the tough love title right there. Uh, and and one of the things she says in there is like, if you say that you want closer, more meaningful friendships, well, I'm going to ask you who's on your calendar in the next two weeks? Mm. I'm like, two weeks? <laughs> Does she know how busy I am? <laughs> but, but it's true. And the reason children seem to make friends more easily is because they're seeing their classmates or their campmates or whatever way more often than just once every two weeks even. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're at school or you were in the past at least, and that's one of the hardest parts of this pandemic. But um, you know, that you have that consistent time with people. And so reach out to people. I say, you know, set up a outdoor play date with the, you know, kid whose parents you like, <laughs> like, you know, do um, Zoom calls with far flung friends and family. Uh, you know, there's people local to you that you've been missing. See if you can 
bring your chairs and sit on the driveway in the snow. I mean, yes, it's winter, but like it doesn't have to be forever. Even just 20 minutes will will do a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like it's I, I've sort of joked about it with different people, but I feel like the pandemic has made me quite soft when it comes to like, you know, like before pandemic, we'd have sports things and various things on the weekend. And I had like some recent weekend where there were three things on the calendar and I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can handle it. But um, I did say to myself at one point over the last few weeks, like I want to put one social friend thing each weekend. Like it could just be a zoom. It could be like a power walk together, but there's got to be something, you know? And I think that's like, I think it's just so crucial to sanity right now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, it's just good to talk to people. I was, you know, at some place where I was able to talk with people the other night and it was like, (laughs) wow, this is exciting. (laughs) This is exciting. I mean, I, I feel a little awkward, socially awkward. Like I've lost my touch, but (laughs) hopefully nobody will hold it against me. You seem to be doing fine. All right. Well, Laura, at the end of each episode, Asha and I share what we call your next edit. It's something tactical that listeners can consider doing straight away. I know you have many options, but I would love to hear what your next edit is in the context context of our conversation today. Yeah. So when you're doing your your planning for the upcoming week, um, you know, you're thinking about what you want to build into your life, what wonderful things you want to happen, you know, what commitments are there and what you need to do to prepare for them. Take a quick look and say, you know, is there anything on this list like I don't want to do? Like what's on my calendar for the next week Mm -hmm. that I don't want to do? And then see, well, can I get out of it? I mean, because maybe you can't, but if you can and you think you're going to cancel it, like it's so much better to do it ahead of time because then everyone can make other plans. Um, You could also maybe minimize something. I think it's always worth looking through any meetings that are already on your calendar, for instance, and say, why are we having this meeting? (laughs) Like, let's let's spend 10 (laughs) minutes looking through what's on the calendar and and asking that question, like, you know, do we really need to to meet for an hour? Do we think it could happen in 20 minutes? Like, could we maybe have a phone call right now and hash out whatever this thing is? Um, but but just by taking a few minutes to triage what is already on your calendar, you can literally buy yourself hours. I love it. I love it. Well, Laura, this has been so fun. And, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out of your valuable schedule to come on our show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So great. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, we love chatting with you online. This week, we'd like to know if you had a free hour right now, what would you do with it? Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. And we'd be delighted if you would take a moment to review our show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.